0: Loose ball. Ewing goes up. The basket counts. He gets it over to the doctor. Tie ball game. Here's a shot, Julius. He, he, starts. Starts. he scores. He scores. Anthony for three.
1: Bang! That one goes down, and the game is tied. Here is a ramp moving on Tucker. He turns. He shoots. Yes. He With one second Talking Knicks, Nets, and all things across the association. This is Pickin' Pod on WFUV Sports. NBA free agency is underway. The draft is over. We're here to break it down on Pickin' Pod. Jack Roach and Chris Percyinen, alongside me, Thomas Aiello, filling in for Kelly Bright as the A-host who um, is not here this week. But we still get to talk NBA free agency. Oh, what a jolly season it is, guys. As teams, now this was not a deep free agent pool We know that DeRozan was supposed to be the main headliner. That was if Kawhi Leonard didn't opt out, but it all looks to me that he's going to resign with the Clippers. And Chris, you've been all over the NBA free agency. Your Twitter feed has been, I'm sure, blowing up. And there are teams out here that were giving people money, and I want to start with those top four names, specifically with DeRozan, Lowry, um, and John Collins is the three biggest names, as we could say, were going on here in NBA free agency. Who do you think was given out the most money? Who was the best deal? Who was the best fit for their teams?
0: I think it's it's probably um, well, out of guys that are moving, I'll say Lowry to to Miami. But I think, you know, Paul staying in Phoenix, um, re-upping four years, 120 million. Um a lot of money, a lot of money for a guard of his age, but his impact, you know, on that franchise undeniable, you see franchises get in situations like the jazz and Gobert, the heat and Butler, where you just kind of have to pay that guy a max. Um, I love the sun's keeping Paul. I love the heat getting Lowry. There are other additions, PJ Tucker retaining Oladipo, both low cost. Um, that's really good. That's uh, Lowry, Butler, and Adebayo are, are going to be really good next year. Um, you know, we can wrap up the pod with uh, some some Eastern Conference standings predictions, but I, I think Miami is a, a top-four team just to be conservative, like, a- after these moves. Y- you can't hate what Pat Riley's done there. He made the most of this offseason, realistically, um, going out and getting the big fish. And Lowry, you know, Paul and Lowry both – nick targets as well new orleans pelicans and then uh you have teams like you know the suns offering paul money to stay these guys were sought after um this is not a team you know paying someone a bigger contract than they deserve to try to get them to now these guys were the big fish and and in in paul and lowry and lowry going to miami is a great move for them paul staying in phoenix good move for both sides there in my opinion and then um I'll, I'll say my least favorite. I'll drop my least favorite fit as well.
2: I know Wait. what you're going to say. I know what you're going to say. Uh, you're going to yeah,
0: say New know. Orleans. No. Not New Orleans? My least, my least favorite fit of the biggest signings?
2: Oh, I thought you were going to say your least favorite, like, off-season move. Oh, that's
0: because David Griffin stinks at his job. That's a different <laughs> story. DeMar DeRozan is getting paid almost $30 million a season over the next three. They, they surrendered – Thaddeus Young, who was arguably their second-best player behind Levine last season before the Vucevic trade, and a first-round pick and a second-round pick for the opportunity to give DeRozan that contract. Now, if you asked me five seconds before that signing and the sign-and-trade announcement what I thought of Chicago's offseason, Caruso on a 4-for-37, Ball 4-for-85, I, I literally would have said that they're, they're doing good. They got to keep Levine, got to invest, keep pieces coming in, keep their pieces that they have. Kobe White, investing guys like that. Um, and then they did what they did. And now I hate their offseason. And I laugh at all of the Nick fans who, back when we hired Leon Rose, were like freaking out. And, we could have hired Carnesovas, And yeah, Carnesovas would have just given DeMar DeRozan $28 million a year to not be able to hit three-pointers. So... Jack, I don't know. I don't know how you're feeling about um, my favorites in, in Paul and Lowry and then my least favorite in DeRozan. And, you know, you know what? Let me give an opinion on the fourth one in one sentence. John Collins being worth twenty five million dollars a year is laughable. Now, what? On to you. now what is on, that
2: laughable?
0: On, now, he is a Trey Young merchant. Now, you would not expect this level of Trey Young respect from a Nick fan. I know. But if you look throughout the careers of Chris Paul, James Harden, soon to be Luka Doncic and Trey Young, you will find numerous big men who are not that good at the game of basketball, who via the pick and roll wizardry of their lead ball handler were legitimately backpacked to their next contract being bigger than what their previous one was. Look at look at Clint Capella there in Houston. Now, you can say he's a very good center right now. Him getting paid all the way back then when he couldn't even pass out of the short roll, Harden had him looking really good. I think Collins is one of those players who thrives in transition due to athleticism, who isn't good enough to demand the ball in his own hands. So he doesn't have the ball in his hands and doesn't have the passing or playmaking chops to be a secondary or tertiary creator. So he's a rim running big out there that can't defend the rim. So you have to play him at power forward. And now we're looking at a case of glorified Obi Toppin.
2: But if he's in, like, I understand that maybe like him at face value or, or him, if you take him away from a guy like Trey Young, maybe he's not worth that money, but they're in such a great position there. And if they play so well together, why not give him the money? He's going to get, like it seemed like Minnesota, I think, was in on him, right? Like he would have gotten more than that. Yeah, somewhere. I don't
0: know. I don't know how good it is that, that Minnesota was in on him. Um, but what I'm saying is I, I would, I would counter played. that the NBA salary cap uh, ensures that every dollar that you dole out has to be calculated. And I think they could have gotten a better basketball player or a collection of better basketball players with that cap space. I mean, look at their books now. They have Gallinari, Collins, Capella, all on these long-term deals. Trey Young got the help he needed, but what happens when that team hits a ceiling again and again and again? What are you going to do? They're trying to dump Reddish for a first-rounder because they calculated that a fresh rookie cycle would be be more valuable than paying him. And then, you know, they're not in a position of, oh, we can make things happen because their cap is full, because they – went kind of not all all in but pretty damn in on this core now that they extended collins i believe they might be operating over the cap if not now then very soon i i i i'm gonna respect trey young and say that he deserves a better co-star we can look to his partner his co-trade mate in the infamous draft night trade between him and Doncic. look how Doncic is in dallas stuck with a mediocre overpaid power forward There's a ceiling. There's a clear ceiling on the team, and there was no reason for it. But both teams chose to go out of their way to hand out those giant contracts to those overrated players. They're going to have to fix their screw-ups at some point, but that's a later problem for them, I guess. So cool that they got the cool dunk man back for $25 million a year.
2: Dude, he was like the second best player on a team that made a deep run, you know? Like I understand that I'm
0: going to give the credit to Trey young for being the, a catalyst of that offense. I'm not saying that if you know, and like, for example, let's, let's go out, let's go out West real quick and then we can switch topics. But I just, I want to relate this to another team so that you get what I'm saying fully look, let's look out West at uh, a certain play initiator and play finisher that play in staple center, well-known by everyone as lebron james and anthony davis now i don't discredit anthony davis for having the opportunity to play with lebron james but i don't say that you know they're like the one and two option like AD is the play finisher that's his job and what he can do once he gets the ball in his hands to finish plays is put the ball on the floor take it to the rim (laughs) hit a jump shot from deep john collins maybe has the three-point shooting coming along he can't I'm not trusting him on a team as good as the Hawks are trying to be in Anthony Davis's role. So he's not a second option. He's not, you know, Gallinari can do more on offense than he can. Their problem with him is getting him to be healthy. Collins is a rim runner who can't have a center's effect on defense. You're stuck playing him at the four. Now it's not a bad thing entirely. He's a good player. He's just not so good that you hamper your cap situation for the next several seasons at the cost of keeping him on the team. I think what he does for that team, because of how a good Trey young is, is more replaceable than people think.
1: I guess I'll jump in here into the middle. I think you're both correct. Now, Jack, you said that Collins definitely was worth the money and, he is a good player. Now there is potential he can be an all-star. I don't think that's out of the question. You definitely need to keep Trey Young's minion with him. But Chris is also correct that overpay. like he did get overpaid. And with how this market was lined up for this season, as we said at the beginning of the show in the intro. It was it was a pretty thin class. Now you can say in the normal free agency Lowry doesn't get 3 for 90. That DeRozan doesn't get uh the four for eighty-five or whatever he got. Okay, Collins wouldn't get the five for one twenty-five. Three was it? Three for
0: eighty-five? No, it was I four. I think for it was 85. three for eighty-five. Three, three, three oh, for four eighty-five. Four. Yeah. Not four. Yeah. Four, four for eighty-five wouldn't have been that bad. It was three for eighty-five. Three for, eight, for eighty-five. That was three
2: for eighty-four. We're talking uh, the, Rose the, of- Bulls, the Rose All of- right, three <laughs> for eighty-four. But the, right. the
1: point is, the point is, is that in this type of market, when we saw people were getting contracts left and right you had to overpay to either keep your guys or to get new ones away because this was a restricted free agent kind of heavy class on top of the fact that this was a market set up where pretty much the theme was anyone gets paid. And I think you're both very correct, but at the same time, you're both coming at from two different angles. And Jack Roach, Mm -hmm. um, I I think with the Collins thing, I wanted you to go a little bit deeper on it. Do you see him getting to the all-star level that a lot of people... Oh, absolutely yeah
2: I definitely see him as an all-star I, I don't think he's like an Anthony Davis type player but I think that's unfair to expect him to be an anth- he's never been an Anthony Davis type player right and yeah is it concerning that he puts up 14 points and nine rebounds in the playoffs absolutely because you know the game slows down and I I don't think that he is like this you know one and number two guy like Davis is or, or, and I understand what you said Chris but I just don't think that it's smart to blow up the, the nucleus that you have in, in Atlanta when you made such progress in that first year of, of adding on all those new additions. So I think that it's fair to keep them together. And you know what? Like giving John Collins, a guy his age playing that well, $25 million, I just don't think that that's a huge overpay, especially at the cost of keeping that team together.
1: I think in hindsight, if we want to go three or four seasons down and Collins has made a couple all-star teams, maybe he sneaks an all-NBA selection in in that five-year contract. I I don't think that down the road it's going to be as bad. Right now, it certainly is an overpay. There's no denying that it was an overpay because they did have to retain him. They couldn't lose him for nothing. And I'm sure if you sent him into a sign-and-trade, you probably get like, I don't know, Kwame Brown in, in return at best, a player at that level. like That's not what you want. And the same thing can be said for Chicago. Now, Chicago's situation is a little different because they are trying to appease Zach Levine. This is going to be his final year of the current deal that he is on. And if, if it doesn't go well, Chicago's going to be in a heap of you-know-what because Zach Levine, they traded for this guy. They made him their number one investment. They matched an offer sheet where he almost went to the kings of all teams. That's how much they believe in him to lead them. And here he is in the final year of his contract, and he hasn't had a playoff appearance to show for it. Now, Chicago knows, hey, we lose this guy. We traded for Vucevic. We traded for DeRozan to to do what? And you're going to have those two stuck on the team. So you have to try and go for it now. And I think we can say, Chris, that Chicago, I know that the DeRozan thing's an overpay, but if it's to appease Zach Levine, you know, I, I think they have to I think they have I to get I
0: get it. I get it. And and this goes even back to my collins point. If you want, like the Bucks, Giannis, they had to pay Holiday that money after trading for him. You just they had to. The Jazz, Donovan Mitchell, they had to extend Rudy Gobert to that money. They they had to. When you have a guy of that caliber, you have to do it. Uh when you have a max level player on the team, I just I agree with the Hawks that Trey is someone worth investing in to that extent. And I agree with the bulls that Levine is someone worth in, investing into to that extent, even though Levine isn't the, you know, initiator that Trey is, the Suns showed that, you know, you can invest in a player of Levine's archetype and, and have him be a significant part of a contending squad. The thing with the Hawks though, is that Collins just isn't a max level player to me and, and that's what his market was. But to me, uh, you know, Jamal Murray, even Ben Simmons back then. Um, those guys got maxes. Guys like Sabonis, Jalen Brown, uh, soon to be Colin Sexton, maybe someone like Malcolm Brogdon, like none of these guys got max deals after their rookie contracts. And they are really good. Like you're telling me you wouldn't write- Jack of all people telling me you think John Collins is better than Jalen Brown. Like, are you getting yeah, out of it's here? Not it's not, like, not, Brown. Even, it's <laughs> not even a debate. And Jalen Brown was averaging 13 freaking points a game and he got that much money. And it's less than what Collins just got for being a Trey young merchant is the way I see it. I just, Collins can't initiate himself. He's a play finisher, and he's really darn good at it. But you can't use the results with the play initiator that you know is worth investing so much in just without the context that he's the one doing the initiation and not Collins. Um, in terms of DeRozan and the Bulls, I, I like I said earlier, I liked their offseason until they did this. I, I thought this move was ridiculous, and the reason for it is because when you look closer into the picks that they traded, um, they are so screwed. Like if they want be really to, good
1: picks too,
0: if they want to, I'm talking Steepian rule. Like if they want to make an in-season trade, they are screwed. If they want, if they are not good enough and need to upgrade Kobe white's going out of town, Lori Martin, someone, someone's someone who they care about has to go because they have more than screwed themselves. I, I don't know who okayed that sign and trade on the bulls end of things, but It was someone who thinks that the core of Ball, Levine, DeRozan, which, by the way, none of those three guys play point guard. And then Vucevic and, you know, what, Laurie Markkinen, I guess, at starting power. Laurie's
1: currently a restricted free agent. they actually don't know if he's going to stay.
0: They traded Thad Young. Um, Okay. Like, they think that that core, that starting lineup with Kobe White off the bench is going to get them – You know, to an Eastern Conference Finals would have to be your expectation to go that in on that team. And if you ask me right now, I would tell you that the Bulls don't make the playoffs next year. I'm that high on playoffs. Wow. Play in? Sure. Wow. But I'm that high on teams like Indiana, Boston, Atlanta, and New York to take those four spots after your, your powerhouses in Milwaukee, Brooklyn, now Miami. And as much as we laugh at Ben Simmons, Joel Embiid is Joel Embiid. I have Philadelphia in, in the top four as well. I think New York, Atlanta, Boston, and, and don't underestimate Carlisle and, and his pacers, man. That oh, that I guy is something that guy has something to prove. He's got TJ McConnell and Chris Duarte coming off the bench for a starting five of Brogdon, Lavert, Warren, Sabonis, and Turner. And they're, they're apparently considering bringing Turner off the bench as well to get more shooting injected into the starting lineup, allow Sabonis to be more of a modern five, and Turner to be a killer off the bench. I'm not sleeping on the Pacers this year, and I think that they are going to be a better basketball team than the Chicago Bulls. The way that the Chicago Bulls organized their basketball team is going to put Lonzo right back in that pass and then sit in the corner role that every Pelicans fan and every Lakers fan and every Lonzo ball fan hates him playing there. He goes right back into it because they didn't sign a point guard Lonzo ball to me is like the same position that Halliburton plays, you know, a point guard, but not a point guard, like a shooting guard. That's a point guard that you play off of a really good point. You you know what I'm saying? And with Lonzo, that point guard is now Tamar DeRozan and Zach Levine combined. That's not a point guard. They can both, you know, they both have playmaking ability. DeMar absolutely has playmaking ability. When San Antonio was playing him at the four, he was averaging up to nine assists a game uh, throughout certain stretches. Really impressive stuff, but full-time with Ball, Levine, again, maybe Markinen and then Vucevic. You know, which big man in that starting lineup can play a lick of defense? Which guard in that starting lineup can consistently get to the paint and, and draw a free throw at will? DeRozan can can do the free throw thing. DeRozan, DeRozan He's can still get okay. Stonewall. still a
1: very good player. We need to stop with this DeRozan When slider. you surround
0: like, him I'm with sorry. shooters, not They're Lonzo okay. Okay. Ball Hold and freaking...
1: I, I, Chris, I do need to interrupt you because you are going a little off the rails here. I, I think with Lonzo Ball, you have a case in point because I am still a little freaked out. Jack, I don't know how you feel about this. I am still a little freaked out that his shooting can get worse. And Knicks fans, not Chris and I, but there were Knicks fans who I know were parading around Lonzo as if he was like the second coming of Stefan Urkel from Family Matters, some godsend to save Laura from Steve Urkel. It would it, you would just be getting a 10-point, like five assist guy who the efficiency and the shooting in general is a little red flaggy. And with DeRozan, I think for him. I don't think he cares that much anymore about being the number one guy. I think he's realized he's not going to be that guy anymore. Uh, he has, he's going to have to settle into that, that third option kind of role. And the, the improvement he's just made as a passer, Chris, as you pointed out, is tremendous. And the free throw thing, I, I think Chicago's going all in for offense. They, they're a very blah offensive team. Last year they were barely top 20 in offensive rating. And very good defensively, but they needed to put the, the, the ball in the, the round orange thing with the nylons hanging from it. Mm-hmm. And I, I think it was a in principle a good signing. I'm not gonna crown it the signing of free agency, but I think Jack Roach, you know you're a Boston fan that you guys have had a lot of scoring the last couple of years, but now it's trending in the other direction. It's it is important to score the basketball.
2: Yeah, I agree. And I think What I will say about the Bulls is they're going to be a very fun 2K team. Like, that's got to be the 2K team to pick next year. That might inspire me to get the next 2K whenever it comes out. But it's a weird fit. Like, it just seems weird to me when you look at that team. They're definitely going to struggle defensively. Like, you don't get that out of Vucevic. You don't get that – I mean – if you're gonna hit me with some advanced, you know, defensive stat, you know, call me out, but I don't think you get that out of DeRozan. No, you know, like I, I, sh- I'm concerned, but at the same time, I don't put them like leagues behind the teams that you mentioned, Chris. Like they don't
0: have a rim protector in their starting five. Like there isn't, there isn't one. <laughs> that's that's just funny to me, dude. Like they're I'll, gonna line up.
1: I'll I go know. to try. I'll try out for the Bulls. I'll play put Duke a Bulls. yellow
0: out there. Take some charges, Yeah. <laughs> Listen, I think Chicago can literally take the ninth seed, like the ninth seed and be clear of the 10th seed, you know, Wizards or Hornets or whoever. I think Trey Young and the Hawks. I think uh, Brogdon, Sabonis, Carlisle, the Pacers. I think New York Knicks, who we're absolutely going to spend some time talking about before we get out of here. And uh, then teams like the Bucs, the Nets, the Heat, the Sixers, like I'm running out of a spot for the Bulls. Celtics? So uh, you are you tell, you're telling me you're not taking Tatum and Brown over? No, I this,
2: absolutely am. I absolutely this sh- am.
0: Sham foolery that Chicago has assembled.
2: I'm just saying, I wouldn't be shocked if it worked out. I wouldn't be shocked if it completely blew up, but I also wouldn't be shocked if it worked out. Like I just don't know what to expect. But whatever happens, I'm on board for it.
1: And shocking has been the word for the offseason of the Boston Celtics, if we're going to jump to Beantown who have had the word is blah of the off season. I think the word is blah. They traded Kemba Walker and two, three picks. I believe two of them being second rounds, one being a pick in this past draft for Al Horford to come back. They also picked up Moses Brown and free agency. They also haven't done a lot of stuff and Jack Roach I know that this is going to be somewhat of a hard discussion for you to have. I know that you expected more from the Brad Stevens-led front office. Ime Udoka is in as the new coach. I, I don't know what to tell you how good Boston's going to be. Obvi- like, I'm obviously not close to it like you are, but from the outside looking in, I think it might not be the worst thing to suck for this season and get a good draft pick and go that route. Yeah. I think, you obviously have a different spin on this.
2: I think my initial reaction to these moves is, man, Brad Stevens must have hated Danny Ainge. Like, they trade Kemba Walker, get Al Horford back. They just sign Ennis Cantor. You know, there's rumors they're going to bring back Isaiah Thomas. They might, like, there's talks that they're going to trade Marcus Smart. Like, I-, I just don't know what to expect, man. And, uh, I think that they're trying to clear – like, they have a little bit of space and they're not expected to do anything with that. Like, I think that – I know it's crazy, but there's been so much talk about, like, Tatum and Beal, and you know what? I don't ultimately think it's going to happen, but if you clear cap to try and make a run at Beal when he's a free agent next year because of that, like, St. Louis connection between Tatum and Beal, like, they're playing – the Olympics together it seems like they've got a genuine bond there if you try and clear caps and make that happen I am fine being a decent you know like bottom tier playoff team in the east I'm completely fine with that but the long term like I just don't know what they're going to do long term because right now you talk about what you're confident for the future about and it's Tatum and Brown which we've had for a while now so I'm not sure the route Stevens is gonna take, but he's already reversed cores that Ainge has in the past two years. So I wouldn't
1: be surprised if there was any saltiness between him and Danny, Danny trades. I wouldn't be shocked if that came out in three or four years from now. I but think Chris, it says a lot, you do have something I, I, I think it
0: says right. a lot about the Celtics offseason that the main point here is will Bradley Beale sign in 2022. Um let, let's talk about the numbers. Because I've taken them and I've crunched them.
2: Let's do it. And
0: and here's how it goes. You ready for a list of names? Tatum, Brown, Williams the third, and maybe Neesmith. Those are the only contracts that you can have on your roster if you are going to open up max space for Bradley Beal. Every single other roster spot will have to be a veteran minimum.
2: What about the At- Lakers? I'm sorry. I know it's different, but that's exactly what the Lakers are in
0: oh but the lakers have lebron james and anthony davis you guys have jason tatum and jalen brown you mean now, fake will it work will you guys be able to get a bunch of known boston dislikers to sign in boston mayhaps but will the team be any good I Think so? I don't. You know, it's like uh, Beal, Brown, and Tatum moves me personally. I love Bradley Beal. I think he's underrated. Jalen Brown is really good and really efficient. Jason Tatum was, I believe, a top ten player in the league on my last, you know, postseason ranking, right at number ten, if not eleven. But I think I think it was ten in front of AD. I think I put him in front of it. Yeah, I did. I did do that. Um, I don't think that those three with a bunch of veteran minimum guys like again the the veteran minimum players you're gonna get are not gonna be like the Carmelo Anthony Campbell Walker former all-stars that sign for lesser money because they really love the people where they're about to play where they're about to unless you guys get together a freaking St. Louis club (laughs) up there in Boston I can't see a, a roster taking shape that can win enough significant basketball games to make clearing out the entire roster for that big three worth it. Now, if they maneuver something, find a way to get over around whatever the cap, I, I just don't know what that path is right now. And this is in a league where cap space like literally does not exist at this point. Um, the thing is that Tatum and Brown are both already extended. So you're not going over the cap to sign those extensions. Once you get Beal fill out your roster and then become a luxury tax team. Now those extensions are on your books starting now. And that's why, you know, Beal to me would be the best like knee jerk path, but I don't see how it happens. And I don't see how someone from St. Louis goes and voluntarily signs in Boston when, You know, the front office already is looking shaky. I just, I don't know if that's the kind of situation Beal would want to enter. In regards to your guys' future, though, you're not dusted. No team with the top 10 players is done for, you know. I think that looking to make the most of your margins, um, signing Ennis Cantor, it would probably not be something I would say accomplishes that. Is your best path to just being as good as possible right now? Looking to hit on draft picks. you know, the Knicks hit on two draft picks, you could say, and top in and quickly. And their their rebuild is already accelerating in front of our eyes. The Celtics, you keep getting these guys like Langford and Niesmith and these these guys that, you know. I thought was was a, was He's a decent prospect. Like
2: twenty games last. I game.
0: had him. like I had him like twenty sixth on my big board, and they took him at like fifteen because he had high shooting percentages in college. Like, I I, I could do the the Celtics scouting for them of, of an equal quality really easily because they're they they were literally just looking at box score stats. Like, I it's tough to to say that it you know it's a new front office, so I, it's tough to project it. But like. I'm seriously trying to trying to paint a a decently pretty picture here and say that if you can hit on a draft pick or two, and I know you didn't have a a first this year, um, you might be in a decent spot soon enough. I don't know if clearing the books for Beal will get you there though.
2: Yeah. I mean, you're right. Like at times it can be frustrating as a Celtics fan or just looking at the situation they're in, in their future course, but they've got, Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown locked up, which is like for most teams, that is an incredibly promising future. So it's the the only complaint I really have is that, you know, we've had those guys, we've had them locked up. So, or locked down, like what are we doing now? What are we doing from here? Is, is my one gripe as a Boston fan.
1: I'm going to try and, pull you out of the hole a little bit i'm gonna attempt to do this i think the first thing that boston should consider is trying to move marcus smart now they should have done it on draft night i'm sure that he gets you a low first round pick in like the 27 30 ish range somewhere along those lines because teams always want defense and marcus smart as you know is very good at that that is his calling card that is his his jingle bell his state farm jingle thing that they use on television. And I thought that they should have done that. Now they didn't do it. Uh, they're going to lose Evan Fournier. Obviously he's coming to the Knicks and Kemba. They, well, we all know the story with that. We'll get to that in a minute, but I thought trading again, Marcus smart could have been a trade ship. Peyton Pritchard. If you really wanted to get rid of him, he might have some value. Aaron Neesmith, as Chris did say, the, but they did overpick. They did uh, not overpick. They did pick too high. They didn't have to pick that high to take him. And, you know, we could see maybe this year takes a jump with really Brown and Tatum taking all the shots. But I think the one concern here is that Jalen Brown's coming off of the wrist injury. And oh, come on. You're concerned no, I, about the wrist injury? I'm, I am concerned about I like Jalen Brown a lot. I'm a big Jalen Brown fan. I think that that wrist injury, I hope it doesn't uh, handcuff him to – just not being at the level he was at this season. Oh, but if,
2: on. the if only if thing it, I mean, if it is, him, that's that's a, that's a problem. Not, it's, it's his off hands, right? Correct me I mean, if I'm yeah, wrong. I guess. I'm pretty sure it's his off hands. So, like, what is? It's not like it's a a knee that injury, doesn't concern me. Where he's like, I'm I
1: concerned with every injury. I'm very precautious about people getting hurt and how it's going to affect them because that's just that's just so The Nets should with. start tanking. They should. I'm, they could. <laughs> they don't have to, but they should. But just they saying. also I also want to say that they also did get rid of Tristan Thompson. They got off of his money. So you get a little bit more wiggle room here. And you know, there's ways that you can obviously do cap space gymnastics. Teams have been doing this now for the past four, five, six, seven, you can go on to ten plus seasons with the way they do sign-in trades and uh, deals, non-guarantees, partial guarantee contracts. So There's ways that Boston can pull themselves out of this hole. And if Bradley Beal, and I know that this is the name that you two have been throwing around. If he's really the guy that the Celtics want to have, and he really wants to go to Boston and he wants to go watch Patriots games and go to Red Sox games and all those things. If they really want him, you can do all the maneuvering. Like I said, you want, you're still going to have to pay him north of 30 and you may have to make some of his contract a partial guarantee. That way you put incentives in there. You don't maybe have to pay him all of that money. I don't know. I'm, I'm doing gymnastics myself over here, just coming up with conspiracies on how to get Bradley Beal into Beantown. But getting players to cities, we do have to talk about the Knicks. Jack, the Knicks, Chris and I, we're here. Our team stole your backcourt and you were pretty upset about it today when you broke the news that Kemba Walker is going to be signing with the Knicks it's a two year contract about 8 or 9 million in average annual value and Chris Persigan then i see the the Knicks shirt i have my Knicks hat here one of my Knicks hats this nice little orange and blue flat cap thing that i bought at uh, models all these years ago but i want to start with you because you are a fellow Knicks supporter um Kemba Walker's coming The prodigal son has returned home and what can Knicks fans expect for him this year? I mean, I know that he's not the same player he was four or five years ago. He's certainly not washed, but he's definitely not at that 27 point a game.
0: Wrong side of 30 and and aging knees. No, I get your concern. However, I think it's really, really easy to see the appeal in these moves for the Knicks and, and to sum up their off season, going to start with their team from last season it, it's the same thing and here's what they did to change it their bench mob of guys like jared harper um and norvell pell they've got rookies in deuce mcbride quentin grimes coming in jericho sims will probably be signed to a two-way contract i'm expecting theo pinson from everything i've heard to return on a two-way contract as well todd gibson back just like last year alec burks nerland's noel both signed for about 10 million a season to two plus one deals, meaning that after next year, they'll effectively be expiring deals, which have immense you know, value in a trade. Derek Rose back for about 13 to 14 million a season. Again, that third year, not guaranteed, not a penny. So an expiring after next season, if they so wish to use it as that way. Um, and if they want any of those guys back for a third year, they've got them at the price they locked them in for the biggest acquisition salary-wise of the offseason, Evan Fournier, given a 17 AAV, you know, deal, um, fourth year, again, not a penny guaranteed. So a a complete team option there, three years invested into Evan Fournier, um, an indication from the team that they're looking towards that 2024 free agency class as to, you know, not for the stars, but for when they're going to re-up on on team-wide talent. Next year's class is incredibly weak that instead of signing one-year deals or one-plus-ones and saying, let's look at this again next year, they said, next year's class stinks. Let's keep some continuity in the building. Let's keep our guys in the building. Let's reward them for their hard work. Nerlens Noel came here on a one-year, five million prove-it deal. Alec Burks came here on a one-year, six million prove-it deal. They both balled out. Knicks were the fourth seed. They just got 10 million a year each. That's sending a great message around the NBA. If you go to the Knicks, take a little less than what you're worth and bet on yourself, they'll make it worth it for you. And if they don't, it's because you're getting paid by another team like Reggie Bullock did with Dallas. Now, the cherry on top for New York's offseason, of course, the acquisition today of former Celtics, uh, briefly Thunder, and famously Charlotte Hornets point guard, Kemba Walker. Now, Walker, uh, to me, the way to look at this acquisition is, is again, looking to last year's team. I'll even start with with Bullock and Fournier, that upgrade. Now, Fournier might not provide the off-ball wing defense that Bullock did. Um, Also might not have the ability to guard guys on ball that Bullock did. But I will say that anyone with a quick change of direction had Bullock in shambles last year. So Fournier might not be as big of a defensive downgrade as some are projecting it to be. Now, on the offensive end, Bullock, potentially a better catch and shoot threat. Fournier is better shooting movement three-pointers, off the dribble three-pointers, handoff three-pointers, coming off pin-down screen three-pointers. He's a better playmaker. He can put the ball on the floor. He can dribble. He can shoot mid-range. He can get to the rim, and he can draw free throws. He had an increasing free throw rate his last three seasons going into his uh, trade to Boston. Just a sign that as he's entering the prime years of his career, he's acquiring the final, you know, Infinity Stone to add to his offensive game and being able to draw fouls, it's just a perfect amount of diversity now in terms of the variety of buckets that he can get you. And last but not least, as I was saying, with Kemba Walker coming in, replacing Alfred Payton, you're going from a point guard that could potentially get to the rim and potentially make a smart pass to one who has an incredibly, incredibly quick change of direction almost did a duck impression there um and has the ability to shoot from deep Peyton has the ability to shoot from nowhere and just having someone like TJ McConnell instead of Alfred Peyton to call back to earlier in the episode would have been a large upgrade for this team Campbell Walker his ability to maintain pace find open teammates and get buckets late in the game I mean coupled with the fact that I'm sure as Mr. Roche knows well Walker and Fournier were by far the the catalysts i'll say of boston's best lineups last year walker and fournier most lineups that contained both of them were at the top of boston statistically and together in their first i believe 95 minutes that they played um Maybe that was the first 10 games or so they had a plus 30.8 net rating. I mean, these guys just had great chemistry from the first game in which Fournier went zero for 10 in a Celtics jersey. Walker was the first and the loudest teammate post game when talking to the media in terms of defending Fournier um, saying that it was tough for him to have come to a new situation, a new city and make an immediate impact. He had his back. These guys are now going to be rejoining forces with the exact same eight members of the Knicks playoff team last year. Talk about cohesion up and down the roster. I'm incredibly excited. This is going to be a good season for the New York Knicks. You know, they're not ready right now to beat Giannis or to beat Durant, Harden, and Irving. But they weren't good enough to attract a free agent such as Kyle Lowry. And that is why improving had to be the goal for New York, especially with the head coach like Thibodeau to see them make these moves and come away with Walker and Fournier for less than 30 million combined a season. I mean, man, I'm so happy. I'm so happy as a Knicks fan. And I think that, you know, they got a guy who satisfies that New York side of the fan base and Walker who loves their real hoopers. And then they got the analytics guy in Fournier who's going to come and help out every member of the starting lineup. I mean, they just addressed their biggest problem that was exposed in the Atlanta series. They now have four players as opposed to two players in the starting lineup that can create their own shot. What an incredible slew of moves from Leon Rose and company.
2: Yeah, I'm never going to
0: tell. Sorry, go ahead, Jack.
2: I'm going to keep it brief. I'm never going to be able to give you the same Knicks analysis or anything close to what Chris gives you. But what I'll say is that I'm impressed by Leon Rose, not panic signing, kind of doing what Chicago did and getting Lonzo into Mark Rosen. Like if I saw those guys in Knicks jerseys, I would be upset in the direction that you guys were going. So, you know, I continue to be impressed. That's all I'll say.
1: In case you guys can't tell, Chris is very excited that Evan Fournier, who is his his off-season darling, if you follow his Twitter, is on the Knicks. He is so incredibly excited, in case you guys couldn't tell. And Jack, I think you put it best. The Knicks, if this was an old regime run by Steve Mills and... Uh, uh, what's-his-face, who was who traded Patrick Ewing. His name escapes me at the moment. Oh, Scott Layden. If this was a Scott Layden type of regime, we know that they would have panicked. They would have given a max contract to DeMar DeRozan. They would have given a super max contract to TJ McConnell, who got paid for some reason, and Alex Caruso would have been the big offseason hauls. But I think you said it best. You're impressed where they – they went out and brought back their key guys and they they just added stuff that you know that was there for the taking and the Knicks capitalized on that opportunity i think it is safe to say with the way that this roster is constructed right now that there is going to be a trade in coming i don't think that's a secret at this point i think you guys can both agree with me that leon has another something up his sleeve as worldwide wab rob perez on twitter put it we see you new york knicks what are you sneaky little devils up to And sooner or later, they're just going to pop off the page and do something completely out of left field. I'm talking like uh, not even like short porch Yankee Stadium kind of stuff like Comerica Park. They're coming from that left. field. (laughs) That's how far in they're going to be coming from. But snag the next disgruntled star or the dream comes true where Zion goes to the Knicks. That would be absolutely crazy. But yeah, they they really didn't panic. Leon and company knew exactly what they wanted to do. And with that, I think we can wrap up with who's going to land where, especially in this East, because it's it's loaded now with teams like Indiana. They hired Carlisle, who escaped Harella uh, Bob in Dallas. You have the Boston Celtics, who are just the ultimate wild card, the Knicks, the Bucks, the Nets. Uh, the 76ers, or should I say the Philadelphia Joel Embiid's because Ben Simmons does not know how to play basketball at this current moment in time? He's Tobias good.
0: Harris is a Philadelphia 76er. Put some respect on our, our, our fellow New Yorker there. Huh? All right, I'll, I'll give you that one. And then we have it's, – it's just an
1: all-over-the-place East. Jack Roach, I want you to give me one team that you think is going to surprise everyone and one team that I that you think will maintain their hands on the horns of the, of the deer here
2: can i can i go a little outside the box because yeah go for
1: it i think we love that
2: i think the 76ers aren't going to trade ben simmons that is my take and i think they're still going to be really good because i'm sorry i'm sorry to hurt your feelings ben simmons is still a really good basketball player they've got a good team like i still think that they can contend for the eastern conference finals like as is so that's my take
1: that, wow. So, I mean, I do, I do want to jump on the Ben Simmons point before I let you speak, Chris. If if they trade former number one overall pick, first team all defense, three time All Star, for what? What, what are the, like the popular moves? Like Buddy Heald and Marvin Bagley. Like if they, if they, yeah, I don't ex- think that
2: makes sense. I don't no, think like, they, even Lee if they do Easley that,
1: and Jaden McDaniels, maybe. Yeah, like if then that's that's going to be a hell of a thing if, oh, if that
0: trade falls through. I I think that Jack is right to be high on the Sixers. I mean, going into last year, I had them as the second seed in the East, and I was laughed at on my own podcast by my co-hosts, Ben Simmons. (laughs) and I was like, Joel Embiid is that good, man. And Daryl Morey just put shooting around him, and that's all you're going to need to get some regular season wins. You're betting on his health, not on Simmons. I wasn't expecting a jump from Simmons. Now, this offseason, not going to have those same, you know, improvements in terms of spacing and such but there is something to be said about the extent to which ben simmons received a public humiliation uh during and following this year's playoffs he, he's a grown adult like getting crapped on that much like the guy has emotions like he he's going to see that criticism and be like there is one way to stop this and that is to get better at basketball now simmons not to overstep my bounds here and and speculate more than i should but i I think it can be safely inferred from various reports from the paparazzi attention that that he he kind of enjoys being a, a star um it's time for him to enjoy the gym it's time for him to enjoy those late night shooting workouts and i believe that the pressure you know put on him this offseason just to improve is 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 gonna lead to something. You don't get humiliated the way he did in the playoffs and come back the same player. Has he come back the same player literally every year for the last four? Yes. Um it, it's time for change, you know. Those 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 workouts of him in the gym hitting open three-pointers. Like I, I doubt we even see one of those get put out this season. I, I think he's about to get serious. We already
2: saw one. I hate to break it to uh, you. Yeah. <laughs> it was a fadeaway jumper with a trainer on him.
0: Oh, but just one? Just one. Okay, no. I was talking like two off seasons ago, there was like that two-minute long video of Simmons just drilling jumpers. Everyone was like, sound the alarms. He's about to be <laughs> mini LeBron. <laughs> and then he came in and was afraid to take an open layup. I mean, come on, man. I think, though, to, to just harp one last time on that point that that this is what it's going to take for this unit to really find some cohesion for doc rivers to step his game up and get a real good team on the gosh darn floor, because that team is so frustrating. I mean, back when they had Jimmy and Reddit and you know, to now with Harris, I mean, they're killing me. They're killing me. It seems like every year is the year for them to break through and it hasn't happened once. I mean, Milwaukee broke through before they did, um, props to Giannis, but just, you know, and, and there, there's my transition right there. There it is. Hold on. Give me a second here props to Giannis and Milwaukee for breaking through, but it it really is time for the 76ers to make a conference finals, to make a finals appearance. Like this is the year for them to say beat Brooklyn in in the second round or, you know, something like or first, whatever, third round and make a statement that that they're running out of time. This window is going to be closing time to make something happen. Yellow. in response to your query uh, for a team that will maintain its hands on the horns of the conference, I, uh, I'm i going to rephrase that. I'm going to say that this team is going to maintain their hands on the antlers of the conference. The Milwaukee Bucks, uh, the reigning champions, I am expecting a second or first seed end of season finish from them. Only Brooklyn Brooklyn in my opinion has a shot of finishing with a better record if I'm being realistic Giannis is not the kind of player to rest on his laurels uh I think one of the first things he said in his speech or maybe it was just the closing statement was it's time to get to work to get another one of these Giannis is going to come out motivated next year and, and that team it, just when you have that championship experience when you've won it all Um, And and your leader is Giannis Antetokounmpo. I don't think you're going to sit and rest on your laurels. I think there's no championship hangover for the Milwaukee Bucks. I think they come back next season strong. Now I already spoke about the Pacers as a team that I think will, I guess, surprise due to consensus, but I don't want us to forget about the Washington Wizards. Now, it was literally just reported, and this is a coincidence because this was going to be my team that I was going to say, regardless, it was literally just reported that the, uh, the Wizards are going to send the Nets a draft swap and a second-round pick for the right to sign Spencer Dinwiddie to a three-year, $62 million contract. Dinwiddie next to Beal with a developing Rui Hachimura, with a developing Denny Avdia to help connect the offense, even though I was a little low on Denny lower than consensus coming into last year's draft. I I think, you know, in between Dinwiddie, Beal and Haji Mora is a good spot for him. Um, They made some moves at at center. I like this team not enough to project them to make a playoff spot, uh, but enough to say that they're going to be in the play-in, in my opinion, with Chicago. And the reason I like Washington so much this year is because, you know, all the rumblings about Bradley Beal, the fact that we spent five minutes earlier talking about how he might leave for Boston, says to me that Beale, who I know factually really loves the community there in D.C., he's at, you know, pretty much every single, or he's at like half the Washington mystics games. He loves the WNBA team, loves the Washington basketball community. He loves the fans. He, he loves being Bradley Beal of Washington DC and he loves, he loves playing basketball I, I, down there specifically. I think that he gives them a, and sorry Aiello to hurt you and remind you of, of Mr. Rogers and Adams, but I think he gives them a nice last dance. And I think that Bradley Beal, although he may find his way out of Washington after next season, perhaps here in Madison square garden, uh, or also perhaps in the smoothie King center. Cause if you're telling me that David Griffin isn't going to get desperate enough to offer Brandon Ingram in a truckload of first round picks, then I think you're lying to yourself. Um, he's going to do right by those wizards fans. He's going to give them one hell of a year Expect the Wizards to make some noise this season, even if it doesn't result in a top eight seed.
1: I'm going to jump completely on the other end of the spectrum. I think that the Wizards are just wasting everyone's time trying to be good when they really should be tanking. And
0: the Indiana You might be right about that, but it's Beal who has the power.
1: That's true. But I also think you're right with the Pacers. And Jack, the Philadelphia 76ers, yeah, I, I know that we make fun of Ben Simmons and the, the trades and all of it. I'm... I don't know. It's, it's Doc Rivers is in charge and it's a very odd uh, front office led by none other than the abrasive man himself, Daryl Morey. He's a very weird guy who doesn't seem to care for his feelings of his players. And he just blindly will make a trade to fit his magical algorithm. But the point in case is the NBA season. Some of them are one in the off season in free agency, but we are gearing up here for one heck of a ride for the 2021 2022 nba season if you guys miss any of the pick and pod episode here on spotify or wherever you're getting your podcasts make sure to go check it out on our youtube page at wfuv sports always posting stuff weekly daily minutely hourly whatever you want to say and that's going to actually do it for episode of pick and pod for jack roach and chris Persiainen. i'm thomas aiello saying so long and we'll see you guys next time